0: Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. It's great to see everyone here this morning. Uh, welcome to those worshiping with us online as well. Um, we hope and pray that this service is, uh, is food for our soul as we come uh, to worship our King Jesus. Uh, this morning I would like to call us to worship by the reading of the scripture. This is Isaiah chapter 25 verses one through nine. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you, I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made the city a heap, the fortified city a ruin. The foreigner's palace is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a stronghold to the poor a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is put down. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation.
1: A little taller than Zach. Sorry,
2: that was supposed to be smoother. Let's try that again. This morning, we worship at the greatness of our God for the great things that he has done and the great things that he's promised. Won't you stand and join us as we sing this morning, whether you're here in person or online, I want to invite you to worship with us this morning. worship our king come let us worship our king come
3: let us bow at his feet he has done great things see what our savior Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: that you have chosen to join us here at broadway whether you're in person or watching online we want to say welcome to you and we want to say a special welcome uh, to our college students they're coming back into town at all of our area campuses and so if you're a student this morning whether you're watching online or in person we want to say a special welcome and thank you for being here we are so happy and thrilled that you've chosen us to join uh, chosen to join us this morning in worship here at Broadway. We've got a lot of exciting things going on. Uh, you can be watching the screens as you come in and enter and exit, uh, and then be following our social media. Our church page is at Broadway Lex College Students. Uh, that's at Broadway College. Uh, that's the best way to stay up to date with all that's going on here at Broadway. You heard from uh, Zach Bauer just a second ago our minister of students, as he read out of the book of Isaiah. I'm going to read for us this morning as we continue to worship. In Matthew chapter 5, you'll hear Pastor Daniel preach on this in just a little bit. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth. This is Jesus talking. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness, saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In church, this morning, as I look at the greatness of our God, like we just sang about, can I be honest and say that there are times that I've lost my saltiness this week, and that my light has not shown the way that it should have. And so would you pray with me this morning as we go before the throne of grace together? Let's pray. Father, we praise you for you are worthy of all of our worship, all of our adoration. You are great and worthy to be praised. And Lord, as we come before you this morning, we are humbled to be in your presence. And God, we are reminded that we are a sinful people. Lord, we confess to you this morning that this week we failed. Lord, we have fallen short of your glory. God, we haven't loved you the way we should. We haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves. And Lord, we confess that to you this morning. We bring that before you, asking for forgiveness, knowing that you are faithful to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And Lord, we thank you for that forgiveness. God, we love you as we continue to worship. We pray that you alone are glorified because you alone are worthy of it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Bible tells us in first John that if we confess our sins before him he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness would you stand and sing with us this morning as we rest in the blood of Jesus for our forgiveness there is a f- sinners. Christ died for us. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to polish ourselves. We don't have to clean up. Father, we come to you broken in need of saving. Lord, and you are faithful to forgive us through your love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord, we love you. We respond in worship to you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen you can be seated. One of the ways that we respond in worship here at Broadway is through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And so if you've been coming to our in-person services, you know that we don't pass a plate and that's okay. But right now I'm going to ask our guys in the booth to go ahead and throw the text to give number on your screens. If you're watching online, you can also give uh, through our website. Uh, You can give online there as well. And uh, I'm going to ask Gail to play for us and I'm going to encourage you, whether you're in-house or online or wherever you may be, go ahead and use this opportunity. Uh, to text in or give online, or if you're in house and you want to give on your way out, that's okay as well. Uh, but I'm going to ask Gail to play for us and then we'll continue the mm-hmm. worship.
0: To lead us into the
1: next song of worship, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash.
2: Would you stand and sing with us this morning as we declare that our God is a firm foundation?
3: Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise
0: we could ever breathe.
3: Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for You. Worthy to name above every other. I will
2: you're a firm foundation in the midst of every storm. God, you're faithful to us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.
1: Thank you, Chris. All right, if you are a child you want to come on down, we have children's sermon. So if you're a child here between birth and fifth grade, you will want to come on down today, you're going to receive a flashlight and a piece of candy. So certainly encouraging and exciting about that. And we've got all our items up here on the, on the front pew over there. So all children, this is your time to shine. what we do parents we have children's sermon now since we're not having children's church and i'll put our microphone right here for uh for the the person who's going to read our scripture all right look at this right here what is this yes ma'am that's right it's a flashlight i'm going to read a bible verse about this flashlight here it says in Matthew chapter 5 it's going to talk about you are a light of the you are the light of the world a city situated on a hill cannot be hidden so when it's dark outside or it's in your room and you turn on the flashlight it obviously lights up the room and it goes on to say next verse no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on the lampstand, and it gives light for all those who are in the house. So I didn't want to bring a lamp, but I brought a flashlight. So we've got our flashlight here. If we were going to shine our flashlight, I've got us a basket, would we turn our flashlight on and put it under the basket? Is that how you show in... um, Light up your room and your house and the woods outside. No, we do not do that. And what Jesus is teaching you and I is our life is the light of the Lord to other people. So we want to shine in front of others. So children, what would be some ways we would shine as followers, Of Jesus and those that love the Lord. Anyone? Yes, ma'am. Esther? Obeying our parents? Absolutely. Of course. That's a very good, very good example. We always want to obey our parents. Anyone else? How do we shine? You know, we don't want to put our light under the basket. Anyone else have any idea how to shine? All right. Maybe. Attending church, uh, getting ready for school, obeying our teachers, uh, getting along with our friends, not fighting. Any any way we live a godly lifestyle, it's showing to others that we love the Lord and we follow the Bible. And that's why Jesus tells us our life is to shine to others. All right, any questions? All right. Who would like to say our closing prayer? Yes, ma'am. Come on down. Here's our microphone. So you'll pick up our microphone. And once you're done, you're going to go over there and you'll get a a piece of candy as well as you're going to get your own flashlight. So during the sermon, you can shine it around. All right. So they're right there on the front row. So we're going to bow our heads and we're going to say our closing prayer.
3: In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for this day that made us to come so we can worship you, Lord. That as we church to do what that you give us is drive Lord in Jesus' name. Asking, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much. That is so kind. So y'all children, y'all just going down there, grab you a piece of candy, and grab you a flashlight, and you can make your light, you can make your light shine for sure for that. So that. All right, if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter five. We are gonna be reading that scripture and looking at it, what we just saw there. We are going through a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we're, that's what we're studying leading up to our restart. And I wanna welcome our online, our, our Facebook live crowd as well. Uh, there's three things you need. First of all, like Chris Wright shared earlier, we do have, uh, we used to pass an offering plate. Obviously, we don't do that anymore. We do have our our black boxes. You can put your offering in here at the Welcome Center, as well as you can certainly give online. We have text to give. So uh, maybe someone to share that link online so you're able to to see that or online crowd. Also, we have a bulletin, so if you are in, our in sanctuary crowd. So hopefully, when you come in, you receive a bulletin. If you don't get one um, here, you can. We have it; it's online as well. So someone on our Facebook uh, thing could share that, that way you can see uh, the um, uh, it, you know, follow along with the sermon notes. Of course, also if you're a guest, we have a connection card. Not only is this connection card here, you you fill it out, drop it in the offering place as you leave, or the black boxes you can fill it out online. So those are the three, every time you come here, you have your online offering, your online bulletin, and your online connection card. On this connection card, you can list prayer requests. So if you have a prayer needs, absolutely put them on there. We have staff meetings every Tuesday morning. We pray, we will be faithful, um, all of us are faithful in praying for your prayer requests. I wanna also, this past week at University of Kentucky, is what we call K-Week that's kind of when uh, Kentucky is starting back to school. the college students are coming back to Lexington uh, Chris Wright our college minister here at our church and his team they were down there Friday night very late, late for death by chocolate which is they I think he told me they served seven eight hundred uh, college students big event and then yesterday was taste of church where uh, we many of you helped serve dinner and we uh, helped uh, cater and uh, we were down there and Chris spoke to the college students so I know we have guests with us from the UK's campus and college students, I want to welcome you here at Broadway. I want to encourage you, your four years or however many years you are in college, you want to find a local church when you're here in Lexington and you want to connect and you want to serve in that local church. I went to Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama and I was connected at Shades Mountain Baptist Church and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm just saying that commitment is certainly possible. I didn't miss a single Sunday. And that included Sunday school. And you can certainly make that commitment as well. You find a local church, even when you're in college, you can say, I'm going to come to Sunday school and to worship and make it part of my college experience. I grew tremendously during my college years. And it can be the best four years of your life. It doesn't have to be four years of regret, regret and disappointment. It can be a time of phenomenal spiritual growth in your life. And that's our prayer and certainly what we want for you. Open up your Bibles the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking here at three different sections. I'm going to read the entire sections. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk about what Jesus' message for you and I are about this scripture. Remember the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is actually sitting down teaching there on the Sea of Galilee, all these folks, and he's sharing with them, he's taking Old Testament, what the Old Testament says, and then he's saying, here's what what Moses and the prophets and the law says, but here's how you, as a believer, can apply it today. And that's our goal for us this morning. We want to see... The scriptures that are 2,000 years old. How do I live for the Lord in 2020? And I believe there's no better time right now than for you and I as believers to make a stand in living for the Lord. You have to be careful of what you're going to stand for. We want to stand for biblical principles. If you're not careful, you'll get sucked into standing for things that are not based on the Bible. And what I mean by that is... Making a stand for biblical principles, meaning is what God has clearly uh, said is right and wrong. Standing for football, standing for mass, for things like that, that's not really in the Bible. You might have an opinion about that, but you don't want to make that a hill on which to die. We all love football, and we love basketball, but that's not the end of the world if, um, if it, that doesn't happen. Now, for some of you, you might disagree with that. But I do want to share something about the end of the world, about that. uh, Several of y'all texted me this past week. You know, there was a peace treaty between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. Now, if you remember on Wednesday nights back when we used to meet in church, real real church in person, well, like we are now, but on Wednesday night Bible study, we went through the book of Revelation. We know the book of Revelation says there will be a peace treaty that occurs. Now, what I believe, obviously... We don't know the when the end will happen but we as believers the bible tells us to be able to read the signs to be aware of the things going on we need to be aware if israel starts making a peace treaty with this country and that country we've always thought it's going to be one big peace treaty but it could be multi, you know there's a lot of countries in the middle east if one country after another starts making a peace treaty with israel Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, Iran, Iraq, and Egypt. Treaty after treaty after treaty after treaty. I want to tell you that's a fulfillment of the book of Revelation. We very likely could be living in the time of witnessing what Revelation in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament spoke about is coming true. All right. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Open up your Bibles, you want know, to follow along. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and hides it under a basket folks don't do that we just did that in children's sermon but rather on a lampstand like this and it gives light for all who are in the house in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God your father in heaven don't think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets I did not come to abolish but to fulfill For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all these things are accomplished. And that includes prophecy about the end times. That's why we need to know our Bibles and be aware of what's happening. The Bible says every single prophecy in the Old and the New Testament, it is a prophecy guarantee it will come true that's not an option it's not something we wonder god said there's going to be a peace treaty with israel do you know what will happen one day there will be a peace treaty or peace treaties multiple peace treaties with israel and that will be one of the signs leading up to the end times it goes on to say here but whoever does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, verse 20, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Now, we've got one more section here. This is on murder. All right. Here we go. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, Do not murder. That is the sixth commandment. We do not kill other people. That includes from the womb to conception, in the womb all the way up to senior adults in a nursing home. God is the author and the ender of life. Our job is to save and to preserve life. God ends life. And we're told this, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, here's what Jesus says about it, Everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. Hellfire, that is the word Gehenna. That is a Greek word for hell in the Bible. Gehenna was the trash dump on the south side of Jerusalem, that is the place where two wicked kings, Manasseh and Ahab, went and sacrificed children in the Old Testament, is a place of where you burned corpses, it was a barbaric place, no one wanted to go there, and Jesus picked that word, Gehenna, to describe hell, It always it was always burning. So what could happen is you took your garbage, you dumped it there, and the fire never went out. They didn't have sanitation like we have it here. So that's the first time in the Bible, in the New Testament, the word hell is used. Hellfire is what it's described. So if you're offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and reconcile with your brother or your sister and then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly for your adversary while you're on the way with him in the court or your adversary hands you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out referencing prison until you have paid the last penny. Let's look back at the very beginning here, verse 13. Jesus used two analogies. We're going to go back and go through this. The salt of the earth. Jesus is launching this sermon here, His most famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, and He told us as believers, we are to be salty. We are not to lose our saltiness. Salt has a purpose. Do you know what propel is? Propel is water, water with salt in it. That's all it is. It's supposedly the salt, who knows if it really happens, gives you energy and power to propel through your day. That's the only difference between them. They can charge $5 more because they put some salt in there. So it gives you, it has a purpose. Some of you do not eat. Some of you, we're about an hour away from lunch. You're going to fix lunch. And there's going to be a little shaker there. And you have to put it on. What do you do? You salt food. Sherry uses the salt shaker. I'm not a salt guy. He said, Why are you drinking Propel? That's a good question. <clears throat> but we all love salt, it adds flavor. We as believers, Jesus is saying here in verse 13, you as a Christian, just like salt, it gives a boost, it adds flavor. To food, your life should stand out. All cooks use salt. They know it, just, it gives that little boost. It, it adds something to it. And that is what a Christian da- is. Jesus is saying, do not lose your saltiness. With Propel, you can charge more. It tastes better because it, it has salt in it. Plain old water is cheap. It's free. It's just blah. That's the same way Jesus Christ adds flavor to your spiritual life. When you have been saved, you want to maintain your saltiness. How do you lose your saltiness? By being disobedient, not honoring the Lord, and living a worldly lifestyle. If you are just like everybody else here in Lexington, just like everybody else at UK's campus, you are not salty. You don't stand out. Jesus is calling you and I, saying, stand out, be different. Keep going here. Not only did he talk about salt, he talked about a light. Our little flashlights here. You want to light up your light. You don't want to hide it under a basket, obviously. He's saying, you are the light of the world. Verse 14. Now I want to tell you about this Bible verse. This Bible verse played a role in the founding of America. So, how do you, What do you mean that, Pastor? Matthew 5.14 influences us to today. Need my salt? Have you ever heard the phrase American exceptionalism? That means our country, I believe, is set apart from every other country on earth. And I'm going to tell you the story of why. This is neat. This is, this is U.S. history. We all know the pilgrims arrived at Plymouth in December of 1620. They left. They Remember, they, they left England. They went to the Netherlands, and it didn't really work out there, the English separatists. They came back to England. So then they came after they realized, hey, we don't have religious liberty here in England. We, wanna, we don't want the Church of England to tell us what to do. We're going to sell to the new world and start a colony and freedom. And they arrived on the Mayflower, 102 of them, that first winter in December of 1620. Half of them died that first year. The first uh, meal, dinner, Thanksgiving with the Indians was in November of 1621. Now, that was what we call the Pilgrims. They had a little colony, about 2,600 people there in Provincetown, as well as Plymouth, Massachusetts. I've been telling the word David Dell. As I've been telling David Dell, I, I love American history. I think the story of the Pilgrims and the Puritans is one of the greatest stories that's not being told to young people of how our country was founded I I, I say, what does it have to do with Dave Dell?" I've been telling Dave Dell we need to take a church trip. It's like a pilgrimage if you go up to Plymouth Colony, Plymouth, Massachusetts, and see and read about how our country in 1620 was founded on American exceptionalism with the basis of being religious liberty and freely coming to this country to worship the Lord and then ultimately to begin evangelizing the Native Americans here. A wonderful story of how God has blessed our country. I've been one time, I went, when I was in high school, I need to go again because I didn't understand anything back then, but now as I've learned and grown, I realize, you, you know when you're a teenager, you don't always know what what, what's going on. Then you realize the true story of the significance of what happened there on Cape Cod and Plymouth Rock. They were here for 10 years. The Pilgrims. But then there was another group in England called the Puritans. The Puritans and Pilgrims get mixed up sometimes, but there's a difference. The Pilgrims were separatists. Remember, why are they, why are they separating from? They're separating from the Church of England. King Henry was ruthless. It was his way or the highway, and it, he pretty much declared himself to be the Pope. He c- commanded and ordered how to worship. The Church of England had gotten a little sideways and crooked there. So these folks who believed in this book right here, the Bible, they left. Hey, by the way, they were using the King James Bible. They left and said, we're going to the New World, which is, back then they came, they came to the colonies. and founded it. That's where the, the, the streamline that our government came from. The pilgrims, Left for religious liberty. The Puritans decided we're going to try to stay in England under the church in England. And we're going to maintain our purity. Meaning we're going to hold to biblical truth. We're not not going to leave England. We're going to stay here and say "Why, why did they do that? The Puritans were a little bit more wealthier. They owned more land. The pilgrims were poor. They didn't have a lot but you could come to America, the New World, and get land. That's what folks were coming for, along with the religious liberty. Well, the Puritans also realized, hey, there's free land in this new country. So they came over here too. They came 10 years later. They first showed up. 17 ships. I want to get my my information right. John Winthrop. Maybe that's why Winthrop Road, over where I live off. Nearby, is named after. He was the Puritan leader. He arrived, he set sail on March 21st, 1630. Now the pilgrims had already been here 10 years. And now the Puritans are coming later. John Winthrop was a minister. He led 17 ships to come to the New World. And they came right there. It's called the Plymouth Bay Colony. Before he left, John Winthrop, listen to this, he preached a sermon at one of the Church of England's churches there. It was called Holyrood Church in Southampton, England. And his sermon was based on Matthew 5, 14, and 15. In the title of the sermon, he shared a city upon a hill. And he shared with all the Puritans, he says, we are now leaving England and we're going to this new city upon a hill. Where is the city upon a hill he was talking about on March 21st, 1630? He was talking about America. He was sharing a vision. The Puritans were going to go join the pilgrims. In this new colony of Massachusetts. Massachusetts Bay Colony. And they were going to build. A pure. Place. That honored. And freely. Worshipped. The Lord. Because they believed in this Bible verse here. A city situated on a hill. Cannot be hidden. That is our American exceptionalism. Our country was founded and was led by a man named John Winthrop in the early days. He actually became the governor there of Plymouth Bay Colony when he arrived with the Puritans. And they led. Harvard University was founded from this as well. Boston Latin School, the oldest school in America, was founded too from all this, from the Puritans. They, and it was, remember, while they teach there at the school, they learn Latin to read the Bible. They were te- the book they were learning from was the King James Bible. I share this because our country is truly the city upon a hill. With a light, in verse 15, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. God is calling our country to be a light, a beacon to other countries. We have to shine for Jesus Christ. This is why revival is needed so desperate in our country. We have our light. This is 400 years ago. It's it's dimmed. It's, It's getting darker and darker. You and I, need to recapture the vision of being a believer of a city unto a hill. We proudly take up our Bible. We take up the cross of Jesus Christ. We go to our colleges. We go to our schools. We go to our places of work. And we are not ashamed. You should not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Should not. You should not be embarrassed, put down for believing in God's Word. God's Word is what saves our souls. God's Word is what's going to transform our nation. God's Word is what our country, American exceptionalism, what what makes it different? It was founded on this book. Why was it founded? Because there was a king of England named King Henry who drifted away from God's word and he became a dictator and a king, just wanted your money and tell you what to do and killed you if you didn't do it. And the Puritans and the pilgrims says, wait a minute, something's not right. That is not the way we as Christians in England are supposed to be living. So they went to a city until... until A hill led by John Winthrop. That's the story of the pilgrims and the Puritans. A story that needs to be retold about the founding of our nation. How it was based on Matthew 5, 14 and 15. Do you know even John Winthrop, when he was on that ship, he was on one of the 17 ships sailing over here in 1630. He preached the sermon again on the ship to remind the folks about why we're doing what we're doing. Why are we doing this? Because God is going to lead us to this new world that we will be able to worship Jesus freely. We will be able to have our own churches without the government telling us what to do. That's why we as Christians, it should be frightening when the government tells us to shut things down especially worship. Now, I believe believe worship is essential. God created us to worship Him. Now, we have to be wise. We want to wear a mask, but to go month after month after month after month, that's not healthy spiritually. God created us for Him. That's why He gave all these feasts in the Old Testament called pilgrim's Feasts that made the Jews come to the temple. That's why you read about the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of... Uh, Pentecost, Passover, those were pilgrimage feasts that Jews had to go to Jerusalem to in person worship the Lord. Keep going here in your Bible. Murder. God tells us that we are not to murder. Christ has spoken very clearly The Sixth Commandment, we live in a city that we are actually on pace here in Lexington to have a record number of murders in our city. Now, some of that might be because population has increased, but there is violence all around. Some of our American cities are dangerous to go to. Some areas of this city, you do not want to be there at night. It's just not safe. You don't want to be there. You could lose your life. <clears throat> I, wanna, I have it up here on the screen. I want to tell you what the Bible also says about murder. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. It says, I don't, I don't think that's it. It says, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the devil an opportunity. Be angry and do not sin. Jesus said the root of murder is actually anger. And if you aren't careful, what happens? This is what happens. Anger takes root in your heart. And it doesn't just it makes a home it builds and it grows it becomes bitterness and then it becomes this resentment and then all of a sudden you start taking action on it no one who murders someone does so happy with a smile on their face when someone kills someone else I've never done it but I'm sure based on what the Bible says they're mad they're angry there, there's rage inside of them. They view you or someone else as standing in the way. And by, the Bible is telling us, don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you're mad right now, you should not go to bed. You should not fall asleep angry because the Bible says you're giving the devil a stronghold. You're giving him a, a foothold in, in your life. You will wake up tomorrow angry, the next day, the next week. And what it does, anger not only, many times, does it kill someone else? Because all murder, I believe, is rooted in anger. It's what the Bible tells us, what Jesus tells us. Do you know who else anger what anger does? It kills you. You kill yourself. By being angry. You are living your life with an attitude that has destroyed you. And a lot of times you don't even realize it. You, you've, it's a self-inflicted wound. Why would you want to waste your life being angry with someone else? Why? What good does it do? You being angry with someone else does not solve anything. It's not a solution. In fact, all it does is lead to other sins. It leads to other emotions. It leads to you doing and saying things that you later and likely will regret. Jesus tells us. He says, if you're angry, you are actually in danger of hell because it's wrong. Say, what about Jesus? He got angry. Jesus went to church. If you came to church and they were ripping people off, buying and selling, it was a Christian cruise ship, six flags over Jesus, you go, where's the gospel? He got angry because worship was being robbed. Prayer was being robbed. It was a righteous anger. I have a feeling most of our anger... We're angry about things in situations that did not anger Jesus. Jesus got angry when he came to church because worship was being taken away from people. We get angry because we're hurt. We were lied to. All of a sudden, people have let us down. And we're going to get revenge. Jesus says, you go around living that way. You are in danger of hell because you have broken the sixth commandment. You have murdered that person. You might not have murdered them physically, beat them to death. You murdered them with your attitude and your heart. It's possible to kill someone while they're still alive. That's what Jesus is saying. And he says when you do that, you actually are killing yourself. That's the problem. And that's why anger... You has to be dealt with before the sun goes down because it only builds and gets worse. There's a solution to anger. I have this verse up here on the screen. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Jesus told us that when we're angry with someone, that we are to leave our gift at the altar. So you're coming to church and you realize, oh no, I've got to stop. I can't go do this. I can't come into Broadway Baptist Church. I'm going to leave my offering here, and I've got some unfinished business that I need to go take care of. And you go to that person, Jesus said, and you reconcile with them. Reconcile means a change of relationship. Meaning, there was a broken relationship, a broken friendship, hurt feelings, but now... You're going to be the one that goes and makes it right. We don't, look, Jesus says, we can't sit around waiting for other people to come to us. He told us, He says, you're the one. You first go and be reconciled. You go to your brother, you go to your sister, and you make the relationship right. If you're waiting for other people, you could be waiting to the grave. You leave your gift at the altar because you won't have the right attitude in worship because you just killed someone inside your heart. How can you come to church after you just murdered someone with your attitude and you hate your brother? If there is hatred in your heart and you're mad about something, you've got to first take care of that long before you come into here because you want to have a worship experience God cares about your attitude he looks at your heart and says you've got you've got to practice reconciliation look at this bible verse up here look at this long line crowd look at this everything is from god everything we have is from god including life including anger god created anger it's a human emotion who has reconciled us to himself through christ jesus reconciled by dying on the cross he established a relationship with us. He saved us. And has given us, look at this, the ministry of reconciliation. Our ministry is one of going about person after person. Broken hurt feelings after one after another and constantly saying, "I'm sorry. I need to ask for forgiveness." I need to make this right. How can I? How can I pay you back? Think about it. I have it up here on the screen. Do not be an angry person. Don't allow it to take root in your heart. Are you mad? Think about this morning. Are you mad at Black Lives Matter? When you see that phrase, does it it cause some type of emotion inside of you? What about President Trump? you can't get away from him he's on the news every day what type of what type of emotions come up when you see this what about someone in church maybe you just don't like someone or there was a disagreement there was hurt feelings that happened maybe weeks or years ago maybe you need to go back to that person and say i'm sorry remember god doesn't put the ball all we are to do is extend the ministry of reconciliation mean we're Attempting to change a broken relationship. I can't, I don't know how they're going to respond, but I know that I can be the one that takes that first step and says, I'm sorry. Here's a hand of friendship. Here's an olive leaf. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. It was wrong. I want to tell you why we have to do it. You are in danger of what? Of going to Gehenna, the trash dump that Jesus described as hell you murder someone within your heart. Not only that, wearing a mask. I mean, do you fight over these things? Is this this worth getting angry about? You really have to say, if any of these things are causing you anger, the problem's you. You have to deal with it. Jesus is saying, do not allow Your attitude to destroy you internally. And you live a life of being bitter and resentful day after day after day. And i only tell you, it gets even more practical than this. I I pride myself on not getting angry, but you you have to be careful about doing that. Because about a week ago, I was sitting at Clay's Mill Road in Wellington at the Red light. And I was behind someone, and I could see the person in the car, and the light was red. And do you know what people do? I don't have one in my pocket right now. The light's red, and you know you're going to be there a couple of minutes. They pull it out. And guess what happened? I'm behind this car. The light turned green, but they're doing this. So, okay, okay, are we waiting for it to turn lime? Like, when are we going to go? You know, I, we, at least, you know, do I blow the horn? Like, y- y- I know y'all have been there. They're playing on their phone, and the light is green. What do you do? Do you get angry? Do you hold the horn down? Do you start using foul language? I mean, I think this is a time where you have to say, am I getting this? Do you get so mad you storm by them real quick? And just to teach them a lesson. Say you need to be paying attention if you're going to drive. Put the phone down. I'm going to put a bumper sticker that says put the phone down. Some of you might have that. Like you just have to. If that is how. If that is where you're at. If that's all it takes to get you angry. You're going around. Murdering people with your attitude. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, "Don't do it. Stop. You are committing the sin of murder by your anger, by your bitterness. It's creating you breaking the Ten Commandments." This morning, reconciliation. We're about to have an invitation. I invite Chris up here on stage. Invite our online folks. Who do you need to go to? Who do you need to go and say, I'm sorry. You don't even know I've hurt you. I shouldn't have said this. I should not have done this. Listen, for your spiritual well-being, for your relationship with the Lord, for your internal attitude, if you are going about your days mad, angry, upset, Jesus is saying, He's looking at you going, Why? Why are you doing this? Ask for forgiveness. Offer an olive branch. Extend reconciliation. If Jesus on the cross extended reconciliation to you and I, which He did, we must do it to others. Jesus was murdered. He was killed. He didn't deserve it. We deserve it. Therefore, we have to no longer live angry lives. Jesus is calling you to be a city on the hill. A light that shines to others. One that goes and internally will not be eaten up by anger and bitterness. There's no reason for any of us here to be angry. Jesus got angry at sin. We get angry over things. Over people, he was never angry at people. He was angry at sin. Do you need to receive Jesus? Do you need reconciliation with God? God is extending to you this morning how to be saved. I want—I'm going, going to say a prayer. If you want to get saved this morning, I want every head bowed, every eye closed, just like we did in children's sermon. If you want to get saved, I want you. We don't have our public invitation, but you can receive Jesus right there in the pew and online. Once you say this prayer, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Make me into the man you've called me to be. I want to be reconciled to you. Thank you, Jesus. From every day on, I'm yours. In your name I pray. Amen you look up, you said that prayer, you fill out that connection card, drop it in the black box, hand it to me out the door, send us, send us a note online, message the Facebook page, we'll be getting in touch with you about what it means about following Jesus, most important decision you'll ever make. We're going to sing here, we're going to close out with our song, David Dell's going to close us in a song here, and we're going to leave, and I want you to think, God, how can I go about my days this week? Who do I need to be reconciled to, David? Would you stand, please? We're going to sing before us and Jesus made it all. I fell Let's sing together. Jesus
3: made it all, all to